Our New, our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 21. From the Gospel according to Luke chapter 21. And I'm going to read from the first verse, since I'm also going to say something about the few first verses of this chapter. Luke chapter 21, brothers and sisters, listen to God's word for us today. Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in all that she had to live on. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come, when not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And Jesus said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes. And in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. God of earthquake and the silence, quiet in us any voice but your own, that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might hear, and in hearing we might believe, and in believing we might act, making way for your new creation. Amen. I guess if we had a vote this morning about the more popular of these two readings, most of us would probably go for the Old Testament. I mean, it's so much easier about hearing about a new, a new creation and hearing about new promises than hearing the words of Jesus. But brothers and sisters, in the words of Jesus in Luke, we see amazing, we hear amazing things about seeing, about that we look at the world. We, we get something about how the question, how do we experience people and, and the things that we see around us. 
Do you know, people who were gathered around Jesus on that day were mesmerized by the splendor of the temple buildings. And of course, they had every reason to be fascinated by the sheer size of, of the temple. I mean, not to add the wealth and the beauty of Herod's temple, but we read that the temple was truly beautiful. After Herod the Great spent 40 years to finish the restoration or the rebuilding of buildings that were destroyed by the Babylonians. Now, apparently, he had done this work really well. In total, the rebuilding took 80 years to complete, included new foundation walls, which significantly enlarged the Temple of Solomon. And sparing no expense, Herod employed the most talented artists to use the best materials for the project, such as we read white marble that was up to 60 feet long, 12 feet high, and 12 feet wide. And blue and red and purple Babylonian tapestries made up, uh, made of fine linen formed the veil of the entrance. And gold and silver-plated gates and gold-plated doors were installed by skillful craftsmen. This was a, uh, indeed a work of exceptional grandeur. And now we don't know the people who were there with Jesus were and were they his disciples, but they were so attracted by the buildings and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts and all this dedicated to God. Maybe it was the smaller circle of his disciples. Maybe there were more people that just wanted to talk to Jesus about the meaning of the temple. But Jesus' brothers and sisters had bad news for them. As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And then the response of the people is totally interesting. They never asked Jesus how it would happen. Did you notice what they asked him? Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? When will we know and how can we prepare not to be destroyed in this whole process? It's almost like when you read Isaiah 39 and Isaiah came to, his, uh, came to Hezekiah, the king, and told him that um, the Israelites would be exiled by the Babylonians. Hezekiah said, it's a good message because in my time there will be peace. What happens will be in future as long as it doesn't affect me and my reign. But Jesus' brothers and sisters, when he was talking to the people around him, probably had more in mind than just the magnificent buildings of the temple. When he responded to the people speaking about the beauty of the temple, Jesus wanted to turn their attention and the focus of the audience from the physical building to these things that you see. And Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus had in mind. But it's clear that Jesus wanted them and us to focus somewhere else. And yet Jesus didn't specify where. Maybe Luke is busy throwing some little speed dumps in our way 
when he began Luke 21 with this story of the people bringing offerings to the temple. And Luke tells us that rich people were putting in their gifts into the treasury and also that Jesus saw a poor widow who put in two small copper coins. Maybe this has to do with the way that Jesus wanted his people to see, to see differently, to see people, to see people involved and engaged in worship, to see rich and poor, and how everyone engaged in showing how grateful they were. There was, of course, the story of the widow whose trust in God's providence and God's caring was expressed in the ultimate way, a story that we hear often during stewardship time or to try to convince us to give more. But I think Jesus did not really mean it that way, but was asking us about where do we then put our trust? Is it in the splendor of the temple building or is it in the people that come to worship? What did those people around Jesus see when they looked at the treasury and the buildings? Did they somehow manage to miss all the people? Could they? Did they see the people that Jesus of Luke wanted his audience to focus their attention on? I mean, the whole Luke, Gospel of Luke is on the poor people, those who don't have what we have. Or were these people blinded by the size of the offering and by the size of the buildings, so much so that they missed the people in it? And I don't know whether the people around Jesus got it that day. But it seems to me that they remained concerned about the future of the buildings of the temple. I mean, this temple was dedicated to their way of worshiping God. And then Jesus responds with, with more general statements. And he said, beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. The words, I am he, and the time is near, are not all that innocent. I am he is the name that Moses heard when he asked for God's name, I am. And Kairos, the time, is the set time when God would come back to earth and restore everything, that which Isaiah was talking about, and restore Israel as God's people. You see, if God is present, the end has come. In the apocalyptic literature like Daniel 7 and Revelation, disturbing language and images and metaphors and descriptions, like we get in Luke, reassure the faithful that they could keep their trust in God in the most challenging circumstances. Doesn't matter what is happening around us. Because the God that we worship, brothers and sisters, remains in control. And this God is very present always. And I don't think Jesus was describing a specific set of, of disasters like the destruction of the temple. All indications are that it already happened by the time that Luke wrote this gospel. But Jesus is telling his people that bad things will continue to happen. 
Believers should not be terrified. Believers should, should trust that God remains present in our lives and in this world. Do you see what Jesus is seeing? You see, if we get blinded by what is temporary, if we are impressed by material things, we might just miss the durability and the permanency of the things that has eternal value. If we are impressed only by obvious splendor and grandeur, we may miss the beauty in things and people which are unappealing, sometimes even disgusting at first appearance. If we, brothers and sisters, continue to focus on the damaging and the harmful and the destructive and the darkness and the uncertainty, we may miss what is affirming and encouraging right in front of us. Can we instead of focusing on what is wrong, instead of seeing all the things that, that's not according to the way we would have wanted it, instead of focusing on the darkness, in the words of David Jones in his talk that some of you will see tomorrow afternoon, can we celebrate what is right in the world? Can we celebrate, brothers and sisters, the many sightings of God in our congregation, even this morning, when you look around you and you see people, when you look at the baptismal font and you see God affirming God's presence also in the life of a baby who doesn't understand much about it yet, and a family who promises to go and, 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 and teach this child, and a congregation who promised to be present to help this family to see God's grace in the world. Can we celebrate what is right in the world instead of continuing to complain about everything that's going wrong? If Jesus saw the rich and the poor putting offerings in the treasury, how come do we miss so much? You see, what we choose to see determines in the end what we see. And what do you choose to see here at Mount Pleasant? As we, as a church, as believers, continue to claim that God is still present in our world, when we get together on a Sunday to witness to the reality of that, And what God is doing miraculously right in front of us. You see, God is not only present in the church. God is present in this world in many places. But we as believers experience God's presence in all the ministries that we do to make someone's life different. To change people's lives. And it's made possible by people who give much and people who give little as we pool our resources. But then we need to continue to see things in a different light. We need to continue to see things that not many other people see. The eternal value of witnessing to God's presence in spite of elections that divide us all. 
in spite of hurricanes that threaten our property, tropical depressions that flood us, and war and, and inflation, inflation and all the bad things that we know about, can we somehow find something that's positive to focus on? Not as people who flee reality, but as people who know a different reality. That in this world, God is indeed present. Because, brothers and sisters, this is the true claim of the hope that we have in God. The claim that God is still present and powerful, even in the presence of transitions in our church leadership. When it looks like the church is powerless in the face of all that seems to be working against the kingdom of God, we experience God in a new way. How will we see? How will Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church see? And what will we see in our church and in, in the PCUSA and in our communities where we live? And in South Carolina and in our nation, in the world, what do we see in one another? What we choose to see determines what we see. Because, brothers and sisters, what we see is to what we can testify. To what we can give witness. Can we continue to witness that God is present, God is alive, and God is using every one of us? As for these things that you see, what are they? Amen.